Hello, hello, welcome, and welcome back to Blazers for Goalposts. In the wake of the North London Derby, which took place just a few days before this recording, I'm actually pleased for once to be joined by a couple of Spurs fans to discuss that picture <laughs> and everything North London Derby down the years. So one of those Lily Whites, to use one of the nicer nicknames for somebody related to that club, is my co-host Joe, and he'll be introducing his ally and today's amazing guest shortly. In the Arsenal corner today with me is a fellow gooner, John Walters. Welcome back to the pod, John. Kicking off today's mini intros, I'll be naming the first North London derby I ever went to, which was in the first season at the New Emirates Stadium, and Arsenal won 3-0, so sadly it feels like quite a long time ago. It felt like an even longer time ago when I looked up that game and saw that Gilberto Silva scored two penalties, which doesn't even sound real. But anyway, Joe, what was the first North London derby that you attended? Hello, everybody. Um, my first North London derby that I attended was in December 2000, and Spurs went 1-0 up through Sergei Rebrov, only to throw it away in the last minute when Patrick Vieira equalised. So it was clearly a sorry tale for a young Spurs fan, but fortunately, things have improved a bit in the last few years. Separately, our guest today has certainly been to a North London derby or two. Abby Grace Summers is a die-hard Spurs fan who often features on Copper 90, where she'll give her views on all things concerning Spurs. She's also the presenter of a series of online events called An Evening With, where recent guests include Jermaine Defoe and Harry Redknapp, whilst ex-Spurs player Graham Roberts also appears on the show. Welcome to the pod, Abby. What was your first North London derby you went to? Oh, well, I have a terrible memory. So when you sent me through the run list for today, I literally had to rack my brain thinking. Um, but as far back as I can remember would have been the 2005 um, 5 4. Um, I was 11, so I was still quite, still quite young. Um, but yeah, that was uh, one of the first ones I can think of that, that I would have gone to. And obviously, what a game. Obviously, we did lose. Um, but what a game to kind of introduce yourself to Tottenham and, you know, North London derbies with all the passion and you know, what, what an exciting thing to be a part of and how much um, kind of set the tone for North London derbies to come. You're up, John. Uh, OK, my first North London derby, I've actually completely forgotten the score, but it was the Carnival <laughs> Cup game. And I've come away with two takeaway. It was, what I remember is, I was sitting really close to the pitch and I could see Robbie Keane doing so many dirty things to our defenders, just like stamping on their toes, being a horrible <laughs> little midget. And then you've got... <laughs> On the sideline, we've got Dimitar Berbatov, who I was so impressed with. Like, I was like, oh my God, his touch is so silky. Which is really frustrating because I can't remember anything else from that game. Obviously, the atmosphere was great and everything, but that's my two takeaways from my first ever North London derby. So, which, yeah. one, which one was that? Was that the one where you beat us in the Carling Cup or something? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Probably. Back in those days, it was all right. Was it at Highbury or was it at Emirates? <laughs> It was at the Emirates. Nice. Anyway, yeah, you you won. I yeah. Let's not talk anymore. We about won. It. It's all good. <laughs> We've got a few questions for Abby now. I briefly mentioned earlier the series of events that you've been hosting. As a Spurs fan, it must be really exciting to chat to the likes of Defoe and. Redknapp and all the other people you've had the privilege of speaking to. How did this opportunity come about and going forward are you looking to present more shows and events and perhaps even start a podcast? Yeah um, so I've done quite a few things with Graham um, over the years um, a few projects that we've been working on together and the opportunity kind of came about he said we should you know start obviously doing these an evening with obviously during lockdown um, lots of people needed something to kind of look forward to with their week especially we found on Twitter lots of Spurs fans wanted that kind of content because obviously during during lockdown there was no football there was nothing really bringing people together at that time so it was a project we started obviously for me it's been amazing you know hosting so many amazing people uh, Defoe was probably a highlight for me he was as a kid growing up he was my favorite player so doing that I was proper fangirling absolutely loved it and in terms of podcasts I'm actually about to launch my own one with three other guys two of which are from Copper 90 as well and it's called Runner Play and we are going to be launching it I believe next week um, and our first guest is actually Troy Townsend and um, obviously father of Andros so that'd be really cool he's obviously got so much to say in terms of BLM and kick it out he does so much work with the Premier League and other organisations so that'd be great and obviously we'll be plugging that on uh, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm glad no. you asked me actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like I knew, but I didn't. So yes, was, yeah. you read my mind. Well, <clears throat> Abby, I had another question for you, and conveniently for John and I, as Arsenal fans and any other Arsenal fans out there as well, conveniently for them, we haven't really mentioned the recent North London derby that did just take place. You guys won two one. Obviously, you beat us at the Spurs Stadium. What did you make of the game, and did you think the result was you know just about right in the end? Pre-kickoff, um, I'd have taken a draw, obviously. Um, I actually think a draw probably would have would have been fair, but it was a game I personally didn't expect to win, coming off the back of some of the games and the performances we've seen lately. So it was a very nice welcome surprise. For me, it was kind of who was going to be worse out of the two, because obviously you kind of hit a bit of form that haven't been great, and we obviously haven't been great at all the entire season, have been really, really up and down. So I couldn't have called it, but if I was going to call it, I would have actually said an Arsenal win, but I think... I was obviously pleasantly surprised. It was nice, you know, to see us obviously firstly come back from going on nil down showed a lot of character for us. In recent times, we haven't kind of seen that in terms of Tottenham digging deep and coming back with a result. So to turn it around and keep going, obviously in a derby form tends to go out in the window always. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and, um, and happy. And obviously we took that into last night and got a result in Newcastle, which we, we also haven't managed to do consistently for quite a long time. Just to touch back onto the winning goal, even in particular, from the derby, and it was Aldo Varel who popped up with that header. He's presumably a bit of an icon amongst Spurs fans, but I think it's probably fair to say he hasn't had his best season um, this season. So what was, what was that moment like? Was it kind of like maybe a galvanising moment or even just like a nice sentimental moment for Aldo Varel to be the one to win the derby? Definitely sentimental for the fact that he's probably coming to the back end of his Tottenham career. So, you know, whether or not we have another season or so out of him, I know he signed the contract extension, but I think that was more of a way for, for Daniel to kind of get some money when he does move on. It was great. And it was funny because I was, um, I was watching with, him with a friend and I said to him, I never know why Toby goes up for corners because he never scores from one. <laughs> it was like he heard me because about 10 minutes later, obviously he scored. So I was really happy to see that. And, you know, however many games left he's got, it's, it's always an iconic game to score in and it will always be remembered that, you know, he, he, he won that for us. So for me, it's nice because we've loved having the Jan and Toby partnership. And obviously, as, as I said, it's moving, you know, less and less. And obviously they will move on where the Jan goes in the summer and whatnot. So it's nice and it'll be something that we always look back fondly on and remember it. Yeah, well, unfortunately for us Arsenal fans, yeah, you jinxed that, that Aldo Royals goal. So if you don't mind maybe watching some more Arsenal games and maybe just like verbalising your <laughs> doubt about David Luiz's abilities. There are many great rivalries in football, but for Spurs and Arsenal fans, there's only really one that truly matters. In my early years, Arsenal weren't just the, the dominant team in North London, but they were one of the most dominant teams in the world, which was very frustrating. And to add to that, the majority of my close friends are Arsenal fans, actually, which is probably why I'm such a messed up human being. But, you know, they had the likes of Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, whilst we had the likes of Helder Postiga and Michael Brown. So in those early years, it was quite frustrating. But as the years have gone by, we've improved greatly to the point where we are considered the better side now. And the fact that we beat whoa, them the whoa, other day... Whoa, whoa. John, the point I was going to make was, on the weekend, we played really badly, in my opinion. Not actually not really badly, but not great. And we still beat you. That's how much things have changed. We played badly and we still beat you. That is why North London is very much white, at the moment at least. I'll meet myself. <laughs> <laughs> but Abby, what does the North London derby mean to you? And is there any game that really lives up to it? I mean, for me, the North London derby is the one. It's always a fiery affair. I mean, it's, it's the North London derby. The, the rivalry and the hatred is so much between the two. So it's always the game that you look at. One of the first you look at when you get the fixtures, you know, at the start of every season, you want to see when the North London derby is. So you're always nervous going into it. You always have that feeling in the pit of your stomach. You're like, oh my God, it's Derby Day. I, don't, I just don't want to lose like anything but a loss. But I think over the years, obviously, as, as Tottenham have progressed and got better and kind of Arsenal have regressed, it's obviously become a much more exciting affair for a Tottenham fan because those kind of fixtures back in the 90s and early 2000s, you'd always look at it and think, oh my God, like just don't lose whatever you do. But you tend to go into these derbies now thinking like you should win the game. And, you know, in the last couple or five seasons or so, even even longer, we have been favourites. And I think that 
like I said earlier, form always goes out the window. So games that you would have thought was a certain for us to win, we necessarily haven't and things like that. So it's always interesting because the North London Derby, you can't call. And the only other kind of game, I mean, I know West Ham, obviously, the biggest game of the season is against us. For me, I found that Chelsea is also a really, really big game for Tottenham fans. And it's funny because it was never really that important. But in, again, as Tottenham, you know, improves, Chelsea always seem to think that their most important game is usually against us always, which um, quite funny <laughs> Tottenham that haven't won anything. Everyone seems to want to want to beat us. So Chelsea is also a very big one for me. I go back and forth as to which one I'm more nervous for, but I think it's probably Arsenal still. But Chelsea, usually it means more because a win would usually affect the table, whereas necessarily Arsenal in recent years have been below us, so it doesn't really make much difference. Yeah, and I mean, on that Chelsea point, whilst the, the North London derby is still the biggest game for me, I'd say in some ways I have like more hatred for Chelsea in a weird way. I mean, I despise Arsenal, but like that's one thing that Arsenal and Spurs fans can agree on is that Chelsea is just a scummy, horrible club. Um, but anyway, back to... Back to um, <laughs> just to a little interlude derby. there. Don't mind that. <laughs> just to take the heat off Arsenal for a second. Yeah. Exactly. You have to give them one moment's rest, I guess. But um, <laughs> Arsenal members of this podcast, what, what does the North London derby mean to you? And I guess, does it feel weird given when you were young, where you were so dominant, how things have changed now? What, what, does, what does it all mean to you? I'll jump in. And like you mentioned about, you know, comparing to the past and when I was younger, for the first 16 years of my life, the North London derby meant that we were going to beat you guys. Like, we didn't literally win every single one, but more or less. And we, we didn't lose to you, you know, one time in, in, in those 16 years and probably plus, you know, I wasn't even born. But anyway, so it was, it was long sort of standing the success that we would find in those derby games. Since then, obviously, things are different. Danny Rose sort of did what Danny Rose did. And um, Manuel Almunia was Manuel Almunia. So the rest is history. And since, since then, the tables have probably slowly shifted. And if anything, I know, Abby, you mentioned that given probably like the forum going into this past weekend, you weren't so confident. But that's kind of how I feel going into any North London derby these days is that I'm not that confident that we're going to beat you guys. I've been, you know, at the Emirates when you guys beat us there. And that was just like an awful, awful moment in my life. And um, since then, and just seeing you guys dismantle us in the Carling Cup semi-final before as well, you know, you've got our number definitely. Otherwise, I would say just to kind of not clutch at straws, but I know a lot of Spurs fans don't like that word Spursy. And, you know, fair enough. But it seems like that Spursiness just goes out the window in the North London derby. It's like the opposite. You look at Aubameyang missing the penalty last season, the terrible start that we had to the derby. I think we were 2-0 down at the beginning of this season. You even look at the gift that we gave to Son for the equaliser. Um, and I remember a game a few years ago when Van der Vaart at White Hart Lane, I think, scored after he handballed it and then also scored an offside goal. Like, if VAR, VAR was around, wouldn't happen. The point I'm making is, like, it seems like Spurs get the rub of the green in these derby games for one reason or another, and that's another thing that makes me nervous going into them. <laughs> Just for a bit of context, to throw it way back, since 1909, the statistics I was looking at, Arsenal are winning 285 to 248 in cumulative goals throughout these derby games. So we're beating you by what? That's not. You great. don't remember that, guys. Yeah, we're, we're 37 goals <laughs> we up. What are you doing? Catch up. But um, <laughs> no. So at the end of the day, I am. That is clutching at straws. I'm just using statistics that are way beyond my lifetime. But John, what, what about you? What's your your reckoning of things these days? Oh man, on on Derby Day, you just wake up and you can just feel the atmosphere in North London. Like if you listen really closely, you point your head out the window, you can see and hear form books just being thrown out the window. Rule books being just thrown out the window, and uh, man, I, I, I miss the atmosphere of it. And usually, I go to Spurs away as well, which is very interesting as an away fan. And it's oh, the atmosphere is brilliant. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but it felt a bit weird watching it with, with no fans, and uh, you know, so that's what I'll miss. I don't know when fans will be back, but that's that's one for another podcast. But yeah, to me, it's all about the atmosphere and the, the rivalry and the banter and the bragging rights which sadly Spurs have had for too long now. It was weird watching it, obviously, from TV instead of being there. And yeah, obviously, even like the moment where Toby scores and we go 2-1 up, obviously the players are celebrating. But just thinking that there have been fans there, everyone would be going absolutely nuts. But Do you guys like think that, that um, given the form that you were in going into that game, that the fans had the stadium you know, been full, forgetting all this stuff that's happening, would they have been on the team's back and Mourinho's back? Or would they have come together for a derby day and really gotten behind Spurs? I think they probably would have got behind the team. As I said, it's, derby's 
everything goes out the window. So it doesn't really matter your feeling towards the manager, the team, anything at that point. It's most important that you get that win against your, your biggest rival in terms of obviously North London. And um, the position in the table was also so important for us to get that win because, like I said, none of us really probably expected us to win on Sunday. So it was points that we think that we probably would have dropped or we would have got a draw from it. So to take all three points and obviously, you know, get closer to European football, obviously hoping that that will happen was big for us. And I think that it would have been really nice to have the first North London derby win in the stadium with obviously all the fans there, but a win's a win at the end of the day. And I think that it wouldn't have mattered if the fans were there or not, really. Right then, it is time once again for a game that we like to play on the pod called Hawaii Witch Lads. One day I'm going to go for the accent, but I don't think I'm going to risk that today. Anyways, um, I'm giving you a fixture from the past, guys. And this time, of course, it's going to be a North London derby. And all of you are going to be naming one of the starting lineups. So I'm looking for Tottenham's starting eleven from the day. So in particular, Abby and Joe, the pressure is on. And this oh, game geez. took place <laughs> at Highbury in 2005. Arsenal won 1-0. On a more somber note, rest in peace, Jose Antonio Reyes scored the only goal on that day. Can you guys name Tottenham's starting eleven from that fixture? God, quite a while ago. In goal, Paul Robinson, I imagine. Yeah, you got that. Must have had Ledley King in the back. He was playing, yeah. John, you're welcome uh, to chip in too. I'm trying to Stephen think. Carr? Would... See, yeah, Stephen Carr? Or... No, there's a, dif- a different Irish right back playing. Oh, Stephen Kelly. Yeah. What a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a random player. Um, left Was it Eric Edmund left back? Yeah. It, that, yeah, that was great. the year when um, he scored that goal at Anfield, which was like the only thing he ever really did. Uh, was Pedro Mendes playing? No, he wasn't playing. Oh, gotcha. But another player that signed for Portsmouth along with Pedro Mendes from Spurs was playing, if that helps, in midfield. In midfield? Oh my God, my memory is awful. Wait, Cranshaw? No. Kai, are you talking about someone that like hardly ever played for Tottenham? He played for Fulham as well. Yeah, that's Sean Davis. Yeah. <laughs> friend of friend of Alan Costa, Sean Davis. There, yeah. Edgar David, Edgar Davids must have been playing then. He, he wasn't. Been. I think I think he was on the bench maybe. Was Carrick playing? Yeah, Carrick's playing alongside Sean Davis. Love it. Robbie Keane was Robbie Keane there then? He might yeah, have he been must. on the bench, but he wasn't start he's neither of the two strikers. Oh, Jermaine Defoe then. Gotta yeah, be one he must, He's one he must of them. Have been. So, Me though? No. A different, oh, yeah. a different was Hossam Ghali there? He wasn't Hossam <laughs> Ghali, God. God, we're um, not very good at this, are we? <laughs> um, uh, was it Canute? Canute? Yeah, it, was, it was, Joe. Yeah, you got it. Freddie Canute. Okay. Michael Dawson? Yeah, he's partnering. Oh, nice. so at this point, you're just missing the left midfielder and the right midfielder. It's not, oh. it's not Andy Reid, is it? Uh, it is. <laughs> he's one of them. <laughs> How about Mal Brown? <laughs> Steed. I love, used to love Steve Mabronk. Steve is yeah, not he knocking about. What about um, Aaron Lennon? Aaron's not here. This guy, I'm trying to think if I can. We have, I think. Simon Davis. Yeah, there you go. I was going to give you a call. Oh, Joe got it. Joe got it. So who, else, who else are we missing? No, that's it. I think that's done. done. Yeah, you've done, done it. It's Hallelujah. Well done. We'll see if maybe, because I think Joe's got one for us. Maybe we'll, we'll see who gets it quicker in the end. Yeah. I've got another one, and Abby, you can chip in as well with this one. Okay. If you want. But it is an Arsenal team, so you know you don't, you don't have to. You don't have to <laughs> if you don't want. This was actually the last time that Arsenal ever won at White Hart Lane in the maybe it was the Carabao or Capital One Cup in twenty. You were there, John, twenty fifteen, and yeah, so you won two one. Name the oh, team. Go on. What a game. Was that the one that John loves? Flamini's goal. So it was Flamini. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you, you what got a goal that was. Oh, and he came and he celebrated. And oh man, love that. Man. Yeah. There you uh, go. He, so Flamini's saving the world. Goal. What are experts playing do? Did we still have Almunia, or was that just like? No. Well, he wasn't playing anyway. Think he had Ospina then. Ospina. Yeah. Ospina. Yeah. Ospina. Um In defence, was Murtasaker playing? Yeah. He was that. He was in defence. Okay, and then uh, Koscielny. No, he wasn't playing. Oh, it's quite a random team. Yeah, this was Andre Santos playing. No, no, I think he's gone uh, by the point. Who was that other centre back you had? Sk- Jeff, uh, 
what was his name? Chef Scalacci or someone like that? Oh, we yeah, did Chef Scalacci. Yeah, he, 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 he <laughs> I think he must have left as well. Was Jack Wilshire Okay, left? no, he wasn't. But I'll give you, I'll give you a clue that the centre midfield partner of Flamini, you will both know very well, especially in this moment in time. He's still connected to Arsenal. but oh, Arteta, Arteta. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Cool, cool. Carl J- Jenkinson or someone like that? Uh, no. Cockerland? No, he wasn't. I feel like there are some <laughs> oh more God. obvious people. There are some more obvious. There are some random ones. But you, right, how about Neza No, no. San- Sanchez? No. Oh, <laughs> Ramsey? Yeah, Ramsey. Vampires. <laughs> no, no vampires. Right, okay. 2015. Theo Walcott. No. Oh, God. <laughs> Who's some of our Who? dead strikers? Oh, Ox- Ox- Oxlade-Chamberlain must yeah, have been playing, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah. Wow. Oxlade-Chamberlain's there. Um, you've got one, two, three, four, five people to go. Um, so, okay. one Ooh, of the centre-backs... Marouane No, no Shamak. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, OK, I'll give you a clue for the striker. Still plays in the Premier League in London. Giroud. Oh, Giroud. Giroud. Yeah, there you go. See, there you go. So that's not too bad. Oh, what a beautiful um, man he is. Okay, yeah. the left back is English. Oh, Gibbs. Kieran yeah. Gibbs. Yeah. Uh, and then Giroud. the guy who partnered Murta Sacker at centre-back is still at Arsenal to this day. Mustafi? No, he scored an own goal in this game and he's, I think, injured at the moment. Callum you yeah, know. Chambers. You say Chambers? Yeah, I did. Alan Chambers. Wow. Okay. That was um, hard. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. There's two more. One, I just don't think you're going to get, so I might have to tell you. But the <laughs> right back, the, the only thing I'll say is think of Cedric Suarez being a random right back. Oh, okay. Back. Matthew Debushi. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So slightly <laughs> random one. Oh, God. That was so um, random. And then, yeah, this, the, the final one. I, I don't even know what to say about this guy. He's okay. He has a surname that Tottenham fans hate. Campbell. There you go. But, oh, Joel, yeah. Campbell. Joel Campbell. There you oh go. What a legend. <laughs> that, was, that was very obscure. How on earth was that a team put together? That was just. Yeah, yeah it's a weird one. Arsenal very weird. Premier one. used to love to torture Arsenal fans in cup competitions. He would put out <laughs> random teams. Oh my god. How did you? How did you beat us with that team as well? When you look at that. Because oh, Matthew Flamini. Belted in a half volley, that's why. <laughs> Love that man. Love that man. All right. Well, we managed to get through it. Moving on from a North London derby that probably for John was very memorable for the rest of us, <laughs> given that we've forgotten basically the entire starting 11 was probably not as memorable. Let's move on to some more memorable North London derbies. And so, I want us to share some memories that we have from a few of the North London derbies from our pasts. And I think that we'll all probably have a lot of good and bad memories from these matches. So it should be quite fun to hear what everyone has to say, unless somebody manages to pick one of the five nil-nil draws that have taken place between the teams. <laughs> Anyways, to start with, I picked a game from February 2012, where we beat Spurs 5-2. We actually, don't get it confused, did beat them 5-2 again in December of that same year. But this one was better, I think. I went to the game. And I didn't go to that second one, as I think I might have already moved to the States by then. So this could have been the last ever North London derby that I went to. Who knows if I'll go to another one. Anyway, we, uh, we were 2-0 down off, I think, a deflected goal from Lewis Sahar, who, again, it's easy to forget, played for Spurs. And then Adebayor scored a penalty. This might have been maybe even like his first game for Spurs against Arsenal. And so that was not a good feeling when Adebayor put you guys 2-0 up. Anyways, towards the end of the half, Sanya scores this like really emphatic header. You could just tell that he was basically just fed up of us being so pathetic for like 45 minutes. And he was just like, all right, guys, I'm just going to score and, and then we'll see what we can do. So he scored. And then Van Persie scores one of the more memorable, one of the better goals in North London derbies down the years. Second half, it fell apart for you guys. Rosicki scored, Walcott scored two more goals. And what made this more meaningful was that the previous season, I think I've mentioned it earlier, that Spurs had actually beaten Arsenal 3-2 at the Emirates quite dramatically and that was the first time that we'd lost to Spurs at home since the first ever season of the Premier League so basically being able to the next season turn things around and kind of spank you guys at the Emirates was was made it even even sweeter but Abby do you have a favorite North London derby game or one that was particularly memorable to you for one reason or another? My most memorable is probably um I think it was April 2010 obviously the Danny Rose one um that for me was always 
one of the ones that is is my favorite because obviously it's been it had been like 11 years since i think we'd, we'd beaten him or something stupid so that was his debut obviously what an amazing goal everyone remembers it everyone remembers the commentary from it and it was such an important season as well because obviously that season we also got into the champions league um obviously later on with that crouch goal at city so it was a great season and for me that will just always be one of my, my favorites and most memorable because it kind of kick-started us into into kind of where we are now and obviously it was great it's just a just a great one when you think back and you just you just remember exactly where you were and what you're watching it and just every part of that commentary so for me that's my that's my favorite one does anyone here remember who scored Arsenal's goal or Spurs's other goal in that game? Because yeah, like, yours must have been Bentner. Must have been Bentner. Yeah, probably. That sounds. Um, about yeah, right. Bale scored the second goal for us. Yeah, that was like just. It was when Bale was just getting really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Did Did Sol Campbell play for Arsenal in that game? Was he? Did. Was, oh my! Yeah. Now I'm just remembering Gareth Bale. Absolutely. I mean. You, he was probably almost 20 years older than him at the time, Sol Campbell. Well, Sol Campbell like had like been playing for Notts County earlier that season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was... It's funny, there's like, a Sol Campbell could probably still play for Arsenal now, to oh, be honest. Yeah, centre-back, definitely. We're rubbish. He could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John, then, do you have a game that sticks out to you besides that? that um, uh, of course. It was my first away trip to White Hart Lane, and it was in the Carling Cup. Again, I love the Carling Cup nights. Bring it back. Who's Carabao? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, White Hart Lane. Um, we won 4-1. It was a really good game, and uh, obviously. And I saw Henry Lansbury score, a bit of a throwback, <laughs> and literally people like that. And then it was one all for 90 minutes, pretty much. Extra time. Samir Nasri, two penalties. And then Arshavin finished off. But, yeah, it was a great experience just to be in White Hart Lane, just seeing the emptying seats, just... One after another, just like, doo-doosh, doo-doosh, doo-doosh. is there a fire drill? It was fantastic, absolutely great. The one thing that stands out to me is our Chauvin's performance in that game, because it was quite a drab affair until then, and he came on and just the quality that he could bring to the occasion. He made Kyle Norton look like, you know, basically summed up his Spurs career in that game. To be honest, it's, it's, it wasn't difficult to make Kyle Norton look like anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's not like I'm saying he came on and like roasted like Cafu or something. Yeah, no, it, 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 it is Norton to be fair. But that, I remember that standing out. Joe, what about you? Well, I'm happy that John chose a game from the Carling Cup because it kind of like backs up a point I have here. But my game is also from the Carling Cup. And it was when Tottenham beat Arsenal 5-1 in the second leg of the Carling Cup semi-final. We beat the scum 5-1 is, of course, the famous oh. chant from that game. And it was just, yeah, it was a, it was a great game to be at because I think the season beforehand, we had lost to Arsenal in the semi-final when Arsenal kind of did that routine of playing a week inside and they sort of still beat us. But I think what made it even more special and satisfying was the next day at school, because Kaitel John and yeah. I went to school, all the Arsenal fans were basically just dismissing it and going, it's just the Carling Cup, we're playing our reserves, <laughs> blah, blah. But John has proven by saying one of his most memorable North London derbies was in the Carling Cup, that it did mean something to Arsenal and they were upset. And of course, we did go on to actually win the Carling Cup that year. Amazing, isn't it? Tottenham winning a trophy, but it did happen that season. So it makes it even more special that we knock you out on the way to that piece of silver. It, it's funny you mention that because I've been to two Carling Cup finals, one in Cardiff and one at Wembley. And we lost to Chelsea and we lost to... I was going to swear, but I don't need to. We lost to Birmingham City. <laughs> <laughs> and... and Conveniently for me, you know, I think I was able to soften the blow, kind of like self-treat myself by saying, oh, it's just the Carling Cup. But having said that, on the other hand, I'll be the first to admit that I would have been going mental had we won those games. So it is convenient, probably. Yeah, it's, for, for whichever team loses in those competitions, it's very convenient that it's just that competition or, or whatever. But as you said, Joe, you won. You guys beat Chelsea that year. And I'm sure you were pretty happy, especially as that's probably the only trophy that in my lifetime and hopefully knock on wood, continual in my lifetime. Hopefully that is the only trophy that you'll win, but <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yeah, I mean, we won, we won it like when I was like five or something, when there's the horrible image, image of Sol Campbell lifting the trophy for Tottenham, which obviously has tainted that particular um, success. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that we won the cup, the fact that we'd be, it's always nice to beat Arsenal 5-1. It doesn't, doesn't matter what competition it's in. 
Um, and actually, Steve Malbronk scored in that game. I know we were speaking about earlier. So that was an added little bonus as well. But yeah, I remember White Hart Lane was going nuts that evening. It was, yeah, it was, it was a really... Like, the 2-1 the, the Abby mentioned earlier was also amazing. But the 5-1 in some ways, because it was literally the first time since 1999 that we'd beaten Arsenal, it was, yeah, it was, it was carnage. But it was great, yeah. Five, the five one was great. Do you know what? Like, like you said, it was it was such a buzzing night, and I remember it so clearly because my birthday was the day after. Oh. So I remember, like you said, going to school the next day, being absolutely buzzing, and everyone being like, "Is any of the Carling Cup? Is any of the Carling Cup?" I didn't care because it was my birthday, so yeah. I was very. <laughs> you guys <laughs> definitely have DVDs of it at home, don't you? Yeah, you, I'm proud so. somewhere. Very <laughs> proud. Had the DVD, had the mug, had everything. <laughs> As a Spurs fan, the one thing that is always very hard is acknowledging when Arsenal have played well or when Arsenal have had players that have been genuinely exciting to watch. It's not been much of a problem recently, which is nice, but obviously over the last decade or so and a bit longer, there has been some good players for Arsenal. So we've all decided to name our combined Tottenham and Arsenal eleven with the rules essentially being you have to have at least five players from each team and the players had to have played for either side from 2000 onwards, so from the noughties onwards. So I'm going to name my team first. In goal, I have Hugo Lloris because whilst he's had a few wobbles in maybe the last season or two, I love Hugo. I think he's quality. And actually, since this sort of lockdown period started, he's been pretty good. So Hugo is in goal for me. I then have Carl Walker at right back because Carl Walker is a quality right back and I want to see him bombing up that flank like he used to in the good old days. I then have Tony Adams as my first Arsenal player in there. Centre-back who, suppose he was a you know, committed player, seemed to have been quite good. Can't say I remember too much of him, but I'm not putting Sol Campbell in there. So Tony Adams. And then alongside him is my hero, my favourite Spurs player of all time, Ledley King can't leave Ledley out of that team so I think maybe a good centre-back partnership then another gooner at left back um, Ashley Cole who was obviously brilliant I don't think I have to say too much about him he was a great player and he went to Chelsea which is quite funny because it upset Arsenal fans so there he goes um, I've then got a centre midfield pairing of Vieira and Moussa Dembele which I think is just brilliant I just think those two would just beat up every team they'd be so strong and so good now this is when it gets a bit silly because I don't even know what formation it is, but I've got, I've said it's a 4-2-3-1. So I've got Kane up front. Can't not play Harry Kane up front. But then behind him, we've got Thierry Henry, who I didn't want to put in, but I felt I had to. Dennis Bergkamp, whose hero was Glenn Hoddle. So he, you know, gets a, gets away with it for that. And then Gareth Bale. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty decent team. I reckon they do quite well. John, what's your combined team? I actually got a heavy slap on the wrist for only having two Spurs players in my team. Oh. So I couldn't force myself to go, oh, Ledley kick. Minimum of two knees in my team. But he <laughs> snuck in because I met him once and he was lovely. But yeah, okay, in goal, we've got uh, Mad Jens Lehmann, obviously, because he's a complete nutter. That's it. Ashley Cole, obviously a great player. In the central defence, big soul Campbell. Has to be big soul. Has to be. I love how you guys still have utter hatred for the man. I love that he's a symbol of Arsenal greatness. I just love him down to earth. And also in defence, there's uh, Ledley King. He's only got one knee. I've met him as well. A lovely bloke. And if you listeners search carefully, there's a video of me and him. Uh, and he's doing magic tricks, which is a bit weird. But there is, is that stuff. true? Is that yeah, true? yeah. It's, it was nice. for William Hill. Just. <laughs> and uh, right back, who'd, Lauren? Lauren? Right yeah, I'll have Lauren. Yeah, we'll have him. Uh, left mid, Gareth Bale. I've already spoken at length about Gareth Bale's qualities on this podcast. Uh, in midfield, Luka Modric. Obviously a great baller, fantastic baller. Uh, great on the ball, technically fantastic. Uh, made the step up to Real Madrid. Joe would say step down, but don't listen to Joe. <laughs> Pairing him with uh, Patrick Vieira, obviously. Because he just looks like, like an angry, angry man. Love that. Right midfield, I've had a bit of problems. I don't really know who to put right mid. But up front pairing is easy. Thierry Henry and Harry Kane. I can't knock Harry Kane at all. He's 
the geezer just scores like all the time. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And he's how old is he? Twenty six. Yeah, he's our age. He's our age. Yeah, coming to the twilight of his career now. <laughs> he's also like the only player that's ever scored a goal with like one follicle of hair, and then claims yeah. that it was his goal. He just loves goals. He'll claim other people's goals if he has to. (laughs) That's the ruthlessness I like in my team. But right mid, I'm kind of stuck. um, Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon. Oh, yes. Go on then. I'll give it Aaron Lennon. I'll give it Aaron Lennon. Because he was quality on Football Manager and FIFA. So I'll give it Aaron Lennon. (laughs) Quality in real life, John. (laughs) Was he? (laughs) Yeah, he was great. He was actually at a time when he, if he'd had better players around him, Spurs would have been good. He was a standout player, Aaron Lennon, once upon a time. Abby, do you have an letter? I do, I do. Um, again, my formation is completely all over the place. So I just was trying to put as many as I could into it who I really liked. And I was very fair. There was quite a few Arsenal players that I can hold my hands up and say that I really enjoyed watching. Um, I would have had Seaman in goal. For me, I think he was one of the best you ever could see in, in football. My centre-back partnerships was, was King and Vertonghen. Um, obviously, Sol Campbell was never going to get near that. Um, and I had Ashley Cole um, at left-back. Um, my midfield I struggled with because I had Vieira, for obvious reasons. Um, I had Dembele. And then I also had Modric because there was no way for me that you could leave out Luka Modric because he was that good. And it's criminal that Tottenham did not hold on to him. And, and we let him go for however much we let him go for. Because for me, if he would have carried on with the team as we developed, it would have just been priceless. Obviously, Gareth Bale. Um, and then I went back and forth because I kind of wanted Lundberg, but I also really liked Perez. So I, I kind of couldn't work out who I wanted in there. I went for Lundberg in the end, but it was very, very close. Um, and then Kane and obviously Henri up front because you just, you can't get better than them too. And, and Henri, I actually really enjoyed when he was on Sky as a pundit. And I thought he was pretty fair considering um, his, how, how, how Arsenal he is. But I always, um, I always enjoyed him as a pundit. No room for Jamie Redknapp. <laughs> no room for Jamie Redknapp. I, I'm not a fan of Jamie Redknapp. I actually find Whoa. Jamie Redknapp really annoying. And I feel like, I don't know Whoa. if it's because... I don't know if it's because Harry Redknapp got sacked, but he doesn't seem to like Tottenham that much, which confuses. <laughs> they put him on a lot. They put him on as the Tottenham person on, yeah. you know, on the panel. Yeah. But he's not Tottenham. He's Liverpool, like through and through. So <laughs> it, it always annoys me when they have Sol Campbell and Jamie Redknapp. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? There's, <laughs> there's no one. To, there's no one Tottenham on Sky, really. So oh, yeah. for me, I, I don't. I believe Tottenham legend Jermaine Genus isn't there as well. Oh, well he's, see, he's, he's a good pundit. Great yeah. pundit. <laughs> yes, they, get, they get Danny Murphy as well, but he's not really. Oh, he's Danny not really a <laughs> so boring. You I guys like run him. the punditry worlds. Rubbish. It's Rubbish. true. Yeah, you, you Liverpool, 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 and United run the punditry world. We all know that. God, get rid of yeah. Jamie Carragher, please. But anyway, we'll we'll not dwell on that. But uh, <laughs> I I interpreted my eleven a bit differently. Um, so if the question is like who's his best, you can rule me out like right now. That's for sure. So I went for a bit more of like a banter eleven of just players who honestly just, they, they bring a smile to my face when I hear their name for better or for worse. And so in goal is Ben Anik or Almwick, or I don't even know. Oh, God. Oh, he was like the he first was to, to Jordan Pickford in the sense that he was a young Englishman at Sunderland who had a few games. And Spurs were like, ooh, like we have Paul Robinson. Like, let's get Ben Anik and maybe we can just have this like um, succession of like England goalkeepers. But that obviously didn't work out. Anyway. Moving on to the defence from, from left to right is, I've mentioned one Gilberto, now I'm going to mention another Gilberto. One who played for Spurs for like half a, I don't even know what his deal was. He had one, one appearance and I'm pretty sure, I think it was in the Europa League and he, he you know, he, he that, fucked it up and that he never never seen again. Yeah. But you know, what was weird though, he had that game, but then he did have like a couple more games. He scored for Tottenham with against West Ham, so he had that at least, but yeah, he was terrible. He's, he's, probably got, he's probably got a picture of that goal framed, hanging on his wall. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the centre-backs. And the left-sided centre-back has got to be Mikel Silves. Because he actually scored in a North London derby, this guy. This guy. But um, I bumped into him at the O2 centre on Finchley Road. Once. Oh, I was there, actually. Yeah, yeah. and um, I would reckon that that was probably the highlight of his Arsenal career, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to the other centre-back, Ricardo Rocha. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was tempted to put Squalacci in there, who we were talking about earlier, but honestly, Ricardo Rocha was arguably even more useless. Um, at right back, <laughs> I've gone for Emmanuel Abue, who if you are going to have a banter team, Abue's got to be in there. Um, I can go on and on and on and on and on, so I won't, but I'll move on to the midfield. 
the left winger is Abue's compatriot. If you guys can guess it, it's Gervinho. And shouldn't go on too much about, shouldn't be too unkind to Gervinho, who actually has, at stages of his career, been a brilliant footballer, but just not at Arsenal. So, anyways, uh, the other midfielders, Ray Parler has got to be in there. Because, again, if you're talking about banter, Ray Parler, he loves a, he loves a cheeky pint and he loves some banter. Um, moving on to the, to the fellow midfielder is, is the beast, Julio Baptista, who, again, <laughs> scored a couple goals in a North London derby, but was a weird player, capable of the sublime, capable of the ridiculous more often. Uh, right midfield, Giovanni Dos Santos. I'll just leave that one there. Not going to even mention anything else. And then up top, we've got an African strike force of Mido and Maran Chamek. So that's my <laughs> kind of just like banter 11. Honestly, that team is a, it's quite, it's not bad. They'd probably get relegated, but, but they definitely brought me a lot of joy, like I said, for better or for worse. So that's my 11. It's safe to say that, especially Spurs in the early years, there was some pretty shocking players <laughs> on display. But, you know, things are changing. Things have changed. It's always good to reminisce, though, obviously, the Ricardo Rochers, Paul Stouteri's, Timu Tainio's. But then again, you have to think, they actually are the only team that have actually won a trophy. So right. yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny. The worst manager, the worst team we've had, and they're the ones that have won the trophy. So. I mean, there's still a Nkudu yeah. and an Ntet, you know, here and there. But um, <laughs> no, you've definitely kind of, like, tightened up your recruitment, I'd say. So fair play, Daniel Levy which is something I didn't think mm. I would be saying on this podcast. I think you're one of the few people at the moment saying fair play, Daniel. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Levy. <laughs> what <Exactly>. a businessman. <laughs> That's a whole let's, let's not even get into Daniel Levy. We'll be here all night. <laughs> For this section, I'm planning to tap into all of the experience that I have of debating from my school days one or two occasions that an English school teacher got bored over the years and decided to split the class into two groups and watch them argue. I mean, we'll see if a debate breaks out, but more so we'll honestly just be pitching our respective clubs, projects, and contemplating whose future is brighter. So I'll begin. And just for a moment to remove Spurs from the equation, just for Arsenal as a club compared to where we were for a while after we built the new Emirates Stadium and sort of the rut that we found ourselves in under Wenger towards the end. I think that we're seemingly these days in a more stable position now to spend the money that it's going to take to get us back to where we need to be, or at least relatively speaking. Obviously, with COVID, a lot of clubs are struggling financially, but our owner, Stan Kroenke, seemingly has been more willing to dip his hand into his own pocket recently, uh, pay off some debts, buy some decent players, or at least spend some decent money. Um, and I think that that's good, you know, especially with Arteta at the helm, who I do trust to recruit well because of the experience he's had at City and with Pep and everything he learned there, but also because... He himself, you know, besides as a manager being recruited for the club, was signed as a player. And I think that he was one of those guys who, who unfortunately did suffer from poor recruitment around him at the time. And I think not enough being invested into the squad. And so I don't think that he's going to want his team to suffer from the same shortcomings that he suffered from as an Arsenal player. And so I see him following through and kind of buying the right players that we need, that everyone at the club has wanted us to buy to push in the direction that we need to. And so alongside the brand of football that he plays and the man management that he brings in, I think Arteta with the right backing that he's going to get, hopefully, is going to push us in the right direction. There's a long way to go. But John, what, what do you think? Do you think that like we're heading in the right direction? We might not even get into Europe this season, but for me, I'm positive. Um, otherwise, yeah, what do you make of our prospects moving forward? I mean, my take on it is, and I'm going to put it in very simple terms, that that man, Mikel Arteta, you go in a centre circle on the Emirates and... <laughs> and do a turd, and I'd clap it, and I'd be like, this is amazing. I fully support this, I fully back it. So that's where my head's at. All he needs is, he needs the backing from the board properly. He needs proper backing. Like, let's be honest, like, Mikel didn't go in and go, I need Cedric Suarez. He's just a little plug gap, and his stats look all right. I don't think there's any, you know what I mean? We need to sign players that uh, fill the system instead of big marquee signings, because otherwise we're in danger of going the Man United route, which we just don't have the money for. So it's going to be a long road back. And, you know, where's our aim? Is it top four? You know what I mean? It's obvious what we need. It's just the means about going about it, especially in the transfer market, the minute of coronavirus and all that, and no bums on seats in the stadiums. It's, it's not looking good in terms of the transfer market at all for Arsenal. But if Mikel can stick in there and not get annoyed <laughs> and not piss everyone off, 
But I like what he's doing with the players. Like, he's like, you either play or you don't. You either want to play for Arsenal or you don't. There's no such, there's no cruising anymore. You're not going to cruise on a contract. And go no, to Villa. Like but did Ainsley make the Niles as well? Apparently he's off. And well, I hope not. You know, if I you like don't, see, yeah, I, I like him as well. But you know, if Mikel wants that, I fully back him. Yeah, I mean, even as well, Reese Nelson. You know, again, even if we aren't able to recruit, we've got Saliba coming in, a young centre back from France, who's supposed to be kind of like the next Raphael Varane. So that wouldn't be too bad. And then um, Reese Nelson, Gabriel Martinelli, uh, Eddie Nketiah. You know, I yeah. can go on and on. And half of those guys aren't going to end up being successes because that's just the name of the game. You know, how, that's just how football works. But hopefully, a few, one or two of them will be. Yeah, yeah, otherwise, um, Spirit, I know you guys are what, probably lining up Ryan Fraser to save your, save your, no, I'm just kidding, but um, <laughs> what, what about you guys? Um, I mean, just listening to what you guys said, I, I think Arteta is, is going to take you places personally, unfortunately. I think he's a great manager, obviously coming from City, being under Pep, I think he couldn't have had a better teacher. Um, obviously, he's young, he's played for the club, he knows what your club is about. So, for me, I think that you're definitely, it will be a project kind of similar to we, what we had under Pochettino, but he will, I think, definitely take you whether it will be top four or winning a trophy of some kind. I think if you do get a bit of money and obviously develop, develop your youth, you do have a good, good ethos of players that are coming through and things like that. I think that he would definitely be the one in that place. Um, definitely the, the, the best coach I think you could assign for what you are trying to build. Um, in terms of Tottenham, the jury's very much out, I think, with, with Mourinho. Um, it's way too early to tell whether or not it's a good appointment or a bad appointment. I never personally thought we should have sacked Pochettino. I think he earned the right to have a, a big rebuild. He spent two transfer windows on without, you know, without, without funds, really. While we were at Wembley, he deserved that rebuild. Obviously, he didn't get it. And, and I think Daniel Levy saw an opportunity. Mourinho, I think if we wouldn't have gone through, I think you would have. So I think it was, we kind of wanted to beat the punch kind of thing of, of getting him. Um, in terms of the football I'm seeing, I'm not enjoying it so far. Obviously, you know, we beat you, we, we beat Newcastle last night, but I don't think he's improved necessarily. I think obviously the last couple of games, uh, we've kept more clean sheets. Obviously the defensive record has got better, but I don't think that, I can't see the direction he wants to take us in yet. So... I'm obviously happy to let him have a transfer window, a proper one in the summer. Whether or not he gets any funds, I won't hold my breath on it. I think that, you know, he's kind of said that he doesn't really need that much in the squad. But for me, they, they need a big rebuild in that squad. Well, that brings us to the end of our North London Derby show. Abby, it's been a pleasure to have you as a guest. Always great to have a Tottenham fan on Blazers for goalposts. Um, could you let our listeners know how they can follow your movement should they want to? You know, you said about the new podcast. And I know you've got Twitter as well. How can people follow you? Um, so obviously on Twitter, um, obviously follow me is Abby underscore Summers. Um, on Instagram, I am private, but obviously please feel free to follow me. My Instagram is um, also on my Twitter. And that's it really. Obviously, as I said, um, we're launching a run of play podcast um, next week. So I will be putting that on my personal Twitter and Instagrams. And obviously we'll be launching our own um, Twitter and Instagram for that. So it will be at run of play pod, I think for both of them. So as I said, it'll be on my feed. So obviously check it out and um, yeah, hope you all enjoy it. And thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's Thank been a pleasure you. having you, Abby. Thanks again for thanks joining you. us. Thanks, Joe, as ever. Thanks, John, for being here. Make sure you're following us at Blazers FG Pod on Twitter, at Blazers for Goalposts on Facebook and Instagram. And then send us an email. Uh, at blazers for goalposts at hotmail.com. Otherwise, that's about does it for today. Until next time, I'm leaving you in the hands of Frontier Station, who will be playing us off from today's episode with their single, Bonfire Night. Hello, this is Matt from Frontier Station, and you're listening to Blazers for Goalposts. This is our new single, Bonfire Night.
Voice in the rain. 